On the one hand, the host knows nothing about the players who played in the game yesterday. On the other hand, there'll finally be an episode where he doesn't interrupt Clive. This is the Arsenal Vision Post-Match Podcast. My name is Elliot Smith. You can block me on Twitter, Yankee Gunner. We appreciate you being here, those of you who are here, as we record this live. This is, uh, as they say, a live podcast. Having said that, those of you who are not listening to it live, this is not a live podcast. This is just the same old thing you've always been used to and in no way different. So... We are going to talk Vorskla. Paul is not here to correct that to whatever uh, offensive and uh, profane thing that he finds appropriate. We are going to thank you for listening. We are going to thank you for being a Patreon uh, supporter. And we have a lot of Patreon supporty stuff uh, lined up for the holidays you don't want to miss. So uh, if you'd be so kind to go to our Patreon and sign up, we appreciate you. If you are listening to this on Patreon, I will have hopefully effectively edited out the advertisements, which is something else we do for Patreon supporters. Uh, but if you... Uh, are, are not listening on Patreon, or even if you are a Patreon supporter and just really love lingerie, we will uh, have a lingerie advertisement in this episode. So you don't want to miss that. In the meantime, let me introduce my guest, do the professional thing, and say that Tim is here. You can find him on Twitter at Stilberto. Hello, Tim. Hello there. And Clive is here. You can find him on Twitter at Clive P-A-F-C. Hello, Clive. Hello, hello. This is the Clive episode, Clive. You're going to be the Cliveiest Clive of all time because we're going to be talking about the kids. We're going to be talking about youth development. We're going to be talking about the academy. So I expect you to go full Clive here. I want the full Clive, not partial Clive. Can you give me the full Clive? Uh, yeah, as long as you let me speak, I'll go for it. Yeah. I can't, I can't com- comment on speculation. Um, so yeah, there's, there's other stuff we can talk about too. Maybe a little bit of the, uh, the, the whole Stoke, Pulis, Ramsey thing came back up again. We can maybe touch on that. Uh, we will do a little bit of previewing of the Spurs match. Too big a game not to discuss, but I will tell you that Patreon supporters will get the best Spurs preview, which is Tim Stillman's video preview uh, featuring Laszlo Phillips graphics. So you don't want to miss that. But let's dive in. Tim, mm. we uh, we got to play a match uh, in Kiev. We didn't have to go to yeah. wherever Vorskla normally play. Maybe not ideal for the supporters who might have liked to know that ahead of time, but probably a little bit better for the team. And Emery decided finally that caution is a better part of valor. Didn't hurt him. So I guess I have to start with the obvious question. The 11 that finished this match, do we just trot them out on Sunday for the Derby? I mean, they, they got to be in strong contention for that, right? Absolutely, absolutely. This has completely revolutionised what we must do with our squad henceforth. Mm-hmm. And um, Emil Smith-Rowe should be looking at the Ballon d'Or 2019. If he doesn't win it, we should be incredibly disappointed and start to abuse well, but, him. But, but he'll have lost media. it to Enkedia. So, you know, I mean, there's that, right? Well, there is that. There is that as well. And um, <clears throat> yeah, Charlie Gilmore, our first Scottish player in 21 years, and mm-hmm. um, he should definitely start on Sunday ahead of um, Jacques Antarera. Let's just play 10. Yeah, I, I mean, if, if you had to do a combined Spurs and Arsenal 11, they'd, they'd <laughs> probably be just it. be the 11 that finished the match on Thursday. But okay, all kidding aside, I'll stay with you for a second, Tim. I mean, obviously, you can't criticize how Emery approached this match. And, you know, the, mm-hmm. we got the result. We had some fun performances. Who was your fi- of the young kids' performances, who was your most standout performer? Um, I think maybe Joe Willock. Um, would would be mine. Uh, you know, Emil Smith Rowe was a fairly obvious standout because he scored, and he should have had a second as well, really. And he he really looked at home, May, maybe because it kind of was the under twenty three team, and he's kind of skipped that level. And um, you know, so he looked he looked 
Berry at home. But um, yeah, I, I think Joe Willock um, w- was probably the standout performance for me because I haven't really seen much of him um, since, well, in 2018, really, since the group stages last year. And he hasn't really been on the fringes as much this year as he was last year. Um, I think it looks like Arsene Wenger thought more of him than perhaps Unai Emery does. But um, I, I don't really what, get along to watch the youth teams anymore. But everyone I know that does has been saying he's really gone up a level this year. And um, what was really interesting for his performance, uh, about his performance for me, was that last year he was almost like um, an El Nenny style presence, you know, just kept the ball ticking over, fairly safe in possession. And you thought, okay, that's, you know, that's that's quite a good thing for a teenager to be who's just come into the team. That's 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 kind of fine. Probably doesn't quite make him stand out, but there we go. But um, And maybe it was a little bit the role he was given as well in, in what was ostensibly a proper midfield three, but it was the kind of attacking and creative threat he showed um, and I thought he showed a really good link up with Inketia, um as well. And there, there was just um, there was a fair bit of personality in his performance. He was taking players on. He was driving the ball forward. He was looking for through balls. And, and obviously you saw that with his goal as well. He's making that that driving run um, and a, a very confident finish. So um, I, I, th- I think his um, most probably was my favorite. Yeah, that's fair. I mean, for me, it would have been Jenkinson at center back. But Clive... Um... You know, I, I I guess there's there's a lot of things that I want to ask you, although they're all irrelevant because you ultimately speak on whatever topic is of interest to you in this moment. So maybe the best thing I can just say to you is, you know, Hello. since the days of Chips Vela, we haven't we haven't really had a group of academy players play in a match of any significance, you know, in numbers and impress in this way that I can think of. Certainly not off the top of my head, which means it didn't happen at all. Uh, so, you know, for you, just. How how fun was it for you to see these kids step up on the European stage, admittedly against poor opposition, admittedly sort of the off-Broadway of European stages, but how exciting was it for you and, and how encouraged are you about what this says about our academy right now? I, I think, I've, I've said many times, I, I think this group is uh, potentially quite a special group. And everyone says, yeah, Clive, but you, we've seen it before, Jay Manuel Thomas and all these other players that come through, like Lupoli and all this. But I've always said the difference between this group and the groups previously is their physicality. I think they, they can move very well. And I, I again, what, I agree with every word that Tim said about Joe Willock. I mean, how his movement, against adults was really good and he stood out as he ran across the turf and that's that's a great start point again you look at Maitland Niles very similar physicality how they move and Eddie Nketiah I was really looking at him closely because you know obviously the gap between him and Lacazette and Aubameyang is is significant so what could he do up front on his own could he look like a threat? Could he? Has he got the physicality? It's hard to judge because the standard wasn't great, but he didn't look like it was a. It was. He didn't look poor. He looked. He looked very decent up there. He looked quick. He moved around. He challenged people. He challenged them in the spaces behind, and he put defenders where they don't like to be, which was running backwards. And I was uh, quite encouraged with, with his performance. And and, and Smithrow again, when he moves the ball, he receives it. He moves it off the line, goes back onto the line, and he always keeps people off balance. And and this is a well coached group. 
And the one that has surprised me is probably the most because the others I think are quite easy to read. You know, you can look at the goals of Eddie and say, okay, he's going to be decent. You can look at Maitland-Niles and you look at his, you know, you look at what he can do, his versatility. You think, okay, that's our James Milner in the making potentially. How are we going to use him? What a great bench player and and so for the next year or so until he finds his position <laughs> are uh, you saying yeah, we need I'm, to start a a boring maitland niles twitter account that'll have like a million yeah, followers <laughs> maybe i'm i'm de- i'm desperate for him to get into a settled position but the, t- the team doesn't need him yet to be in that settled position maybe in the fa cup run that may change what we need him to do is is fix problems that we have and that and that's what his Arsenal career has been about I'm afraid and that, I was like we played in centre midfield at Old Trafford and he and he really shone in a game that was quite a you know quite a, a dead game for us but he shone I felt and we've not seen him there since through injury and etc so I'd like him to get a run in his position but then we can debate what is that position at the moment is it potentially the second right back is he just going to be a full-back cover and a defensive midfield cover until he defines himself? And I think that's going to be one to watch. I think we, 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 I'd like to see him get a chance, get three games in centre midfield so we can all judge him appropriately. So, again, I think this group is 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 special that way. I think Iwobi, Yad Iwobi is only a year up from these guys. And you're starting to see a young core develop. And um, I'm, I'm really... And I, I'm always excited for the youngsters. And it's not just because, you know, they come through the club and we all know their names. We all know their backgrounds. But uh, I think Tim wrote something about it recently or something similar, and I t- definitely agree with it, is that we've blown on many millions of pounds by poor contract situations. And so we really need this group to come in and save us some money by being proper Arsenal first team players. And we really need this to work with this group. And we and we got to do everything in our power to support them, make sure they're loaned appropriately so their development is continued. You add Nelson to this group as well. And there's some real potential here. We can't read their ceilings, but I'm telling you now, we need this to work. We really do. And yeah. there's a couple more coming I- behind. And I think it's very important for our near near term future for the club. I wonder, you know, I mean, because they looked really up for this match, and I wonder if maybe that was part of Emery's talk before the match. Just, guys, get out there and earn this club some money. We really need you to work out because we are in dire straits financially. You can see how that can just really pump them up. I'm kidding. You're absolutely right, of course. And it is interesting because you look at um, Reese Nelson, who you rightly mentioned, and Ganduzi, who, let's not forget, is 19, and Torreira is only, what, 22? And... You know, some of the players that played in this game that, that look to have big potential. And maybe, just maybe, while we, you know, worry about, or let me rephrase, while I worry about the age curve with the with the likes of Aubameyang and Mkhitaryan and the soon-to-be-departed Ramsey and Mesut Ozil, that maybe, just maybe, there is quite a lot of talent uh, at the other end of the spectrum that, that could be the relief for that. And so I think we should talk about a player who looked sort of like the elder statesman on the pitch, the senior leader of the team in some respects, 19-year-old Ganduzi. And Tim, I thought his performance was excellent. Um, you know, Maybe didn't catch the eye as much as some of the attacking players, but just watching the confidence and flair with which he plays, there was one moment where he had the ball down in the the right wing, sort of d- down in the their end near the byline, and kind of flicked the ball back and forth between his feet and had two defenders kind of come and try to close him down, and then you just sort of impudently chip the ball past them to an on-running player. I can't remember who it was, someone running into the channel. Mm. But he just has, you know, Maitland-Niles sometimes looks like no game is too big for him, but I almost think mm. it, it it can sometimes be 
not laziness, but maybe a little too casual or maybe out of nervousness, Ganduzi just looked bigger than this game at times for me. And maybe I'm overstating it, but I, I see a very big player in there. And I was curious to get your take on his performance in a role where he was more of the experienced uh, leadership in the team as opposed to being the the kid trying to show what he's got with the more senior players. Yeah, absolutely. And that's the role he kind of took on. I mean, I, d I don't think he was any more than seven out of 10, but I think you're exactly right. The fact that he looked like, um, you know, he, he looked like he was kind of guiding with his, you know, not not in the kind of screaming and shouting sense, but but with his performance. And and that's one of the most striking things about him. Obviously, he's still at an age where he makes errors every now and then. And, um, you know, and, and obviously it's not just age. He's had a big jump in level. But I think the, the most reassuring thing about his potential is his personality. It's all in his personality. Um, you can kind of see it off the pitch as well, the the limited snapshot we get on social media and things like that. He seems to be very in the group, um, seems yeah. to get on with everyone. He seems to be a big character. You know, he hasn't walked into this dressing room thinking, oh, I've just come from League Two and I'm 19. I don't, don't really speak English yet. Like, he's no shrinking violet. Um, but at the same time, he doesn't really, um, you know, he, he reminds me a little bit of a Bamiyang, I guess. He, do he doesn't strike me as like a troublemaker, but at the same time, he, does he doesn't seem afraid of the environment. He seems to relish it. And I think that's really what we saw last night. Again, that just that little step up, just that little bit of personality, that kind of, OK, I'm I'm one of um I'm one of the first team players here. And obviously, Emery showed that with his substitutions in the end. He took off the three players he's most likely to use on Sunday, um, whether they start or not. And, and you know, Genduzi, he, ju he just looks like, he looks like, um, you know, a high-level squad player already. He, he looks like the 12th or 13th player. And that's, that's the role he's had. He's, he's, you know, he doesn't always start, but he's usually the first off the bench. Um, and yeah, I, I, th I thought we saw that again. I thought we saw those elements of his personality where he's just not afraid to take the ball in any circumstance whatsoever. He kind of stay, he's got that nice balance between, like you say, he's got that kind of, um, that calmness that someone like Maitland Niles has, but he also has like the correct level of urgency yes, as well. Yeah, exactly. It's, he's not like puppyish, frimpong, smashing into everything, but he's not, um, Maitland Niles, who, who I I really like his composure and his calmness, but I think you're right. Sometimes he looks like stoned, you know, or casual. Casual, yeah. <laughs> well, you know what's interesting, Tim? I mean, it's just there are players that were on that pitch that were evaluating like academy players and youngsters, and rightfully so. And oh yeah, really impressive. You know, could see in a few yeah. years him being ready. And then you realize like Ganduzi's younger than some of those guys, or the same age, you yeah, know? Yeah. So when you compare it and realize that a lot of the guys that we're grading on a curve are his contemporaries, I think it just yep. shows where he is in the pecking order. But, you know, he is clearly part of the first team, but a player who may need to become part of the first team in a more significant way, Clive, is Eddie Nketiah. You know, when you look at a game like this, there are a lot of fun performances, but realistically, Smith Rowe is not going to play a lot of first team football this season. Um you know, because of the strength and depth we have in certain positions. Ainsley Maitland-Niles, unless he's playing uh, left back, may not play a lot of first-team football this season. Um, you know, I don't think you're going to see Gilmore play any first-team football this season. Uh, but Madley, Medley? Medley is not going to play any first-team football this season. Watch as I uh, miraculously remember the names of Arsenal players. It's, it's really a credit. <laughs> I'm doing a credit to myself here. But but a player Absolutely who we well. may need is Nketiah, and we've talked about it on this podcast 
that the Danny Welbeck injury creates an opportunity and a need, and that you can't just have two strikers at the club, especially when they often start together. So how impressed were you with Nketiah? I know he didn't get the goal his performance deserved, but how impressed were you with him, and do you think a performance like that puts him in line to start to get some of those Welbeck minutes? Well, we need him. We're going to need him off the bench at some game to take 20 minutes off somebody that we're going to need for the next game because that's the way December December is, right? So so his was the performance I was watching the closest. Um, I, I think I, I thought he did okay. And, and sometimes with him, I, I, he looks he – looks, he was released from Chelsea because he was too small, right? And they had Tammy Abraham, Solanke and Hudson-Odoi in their locker so they could afford to let him go. And Arsenal took him on the very next day. Right, so, and I look at him and think, okay, physicality-wise, size-wise, you're you're very quick. You score a lot of goals at youth level. Now you need to make the jump to man's football. So that's what I was looking at really closely. And and I didn't, you know, I didn't. I feel he's he looks more like a second striker. He's going to need support with him, but I think his movement is very dangerous. I think he challenges people, and, I, and so I was quietly impressed. Don't forget, that's his first game. And he's one of the younger ones. And I, I was quietly impressed. Every level he steps up to at youth level, England level, he scores goals. I think he is the one we've got to really be careful with and make sure that we don't put too much expectation on him. Because now the expectation is rising because of what's happened to Welbeck. We know January is coming. We can't do anything until then. So everyone's looking at him. And, uh, and I thought... Under that scenario last night, I thought he did well. He, it would have been great for him to get a goal. I'm sure you saw the reaction on the first goal when he sort of bumbled his way into the box and um, didn't quite get it out from under his feet and it's gone to Smith-Rowe and Smith-Rowe scored. And he's immediately recognised it's a left-foot sliding shot he's just missed out on there and that would have been his goal. And um, But you know what? Is that a bad thing? I'm not so sure. I thought it was a good thing. And um, So yeah, I, I like him, Elliot. I like him. I, I like what he does around the box. He very sharp, very quick, very aggressive in his attacking movement. Can he handle premiership defenders against the top six? Probably not yet. But how many 18, 90 roles can do that as a centre forward? And how many of these are playing in the in the top leagues? How many of these young players are getting the sort of exposure that Arsenal young players are getting and got last season? So this is these are not wasted minutes. And I, I, I'm encouraged without saying to you, we're okay because we do need that third striker and I do see us going into the market for that player but I don't think it's right that we should be putting this level of expectation onto a young kid. Yeah, I mean, I think it is a concern, certainly, um, that it's it's him or no one <laughs> right now, you know, we, yeah. for the first striker off the bench, assuming uh, Aubameyang and Lacazette start matches together. But the problem is if you dip into the market, you run into that same situation of pushing him so far down the pecking order that he he doesn't have a role in the team. And so then, then you run into sort of the Reese Nelson issue of are you sending these guys out on loan or are you finding ways to, to have them step up? And I look at United, you know, who as much as they are a train wreck, you know, they found ways to get Rashford into their team and incorporate him at an early age because they saw his potential. Now, I'm not sure you could say that's been an unqualified success, but if a club like United can find room for Rashford, I... I think we certainly owe it to Nketiah to get him some of those minutes um, before we just obsolete him or make him redundant by going into the market. It's it's a really tough balancing act. And you can see at clubs like City and Chelsea how poor they've been at developing their young talent within the club. Um, 
you know, and it, and it is a worry for how, how you manage it. So I think um, I think Eddie is a is a fourth striker. That's where he needs to be in the squad. That fourth one that that plays in the in the League Cup, that maybe gets a good hour in the FA Cup early rounds, and and ends up recovering an injury. But at the moment, we've got him as our third striker, and that's 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 a lot to ask, especially when in a team that wants to play two strikers, right? So he needs to be that fourth striker. And Rashford was, was an exception, by the way, exception. He he grew very very quickly and reached uh, physicality heights. And Manchester United, they they got lucky with him. They had injuries, and he came on and he he accelerated his development. Manchester United got another young player called Mason Greenwood. That's going to be a very special youth player, and he's a he, I think he's a very similar age to Eddie, and he hasn't got near the first team yet. But when he does, he won't come out. He's very very special. So everyone has their different pathways, right? So we got to be careful as we manage his to make sure he doesn't derail because we've our expectations since Danny's injuries are exceeding where he actually can deliver against. I'm doing so good on this, not interrupting you, Clive. Thank uh, you, man. I'm, I'm really working on it. Tim, I wanted to bring, bring you back into the conversation because mm. I feel much more comfortable interrupting you now, but um, <laughs> I, I don't want to freeze you out of the Enkedia conversation. I want to go another direction, mm. but but let's stay on this for a minute. I mean, mm. do you do you see him picking up the Welbeck minutes or maybe we're not we're not quite there yet? I don't think we're quite there yet. I I was encouraged by his performance last night. I thought things like his link-up play was very, very good. I think even though he didn't quite score, I think he can be very happy with his involvement in the first goal. Um, You know, the touch and the run, the last touch isn't great, but um, the touches that precede it set up the chance. Um, I'm not sure in my heart of hearts that he's going to come through at Arsenal. Um, I agree. I, I think maybe third strike is a bit too much for him at the moment. And I think he's 19, isn't he? So uh, really at this age, you'd really you'd really want to be saying, yeah, no, he's he can do it. He's like if we had like a big injury crisis at number 10 and Emil Smith Rowe was maybe not starting, but, you know, say like Ozil or Ramsey. Um, Mkhitaryan, Iwobi all got injured, like Smith Rowe would be in that squad every time and he might even start a game over Christmas. You wouldn't be as worried about that, whereas with Nketiah it's a bit like, basically would you start him in a Premier League game and I don't, I don't think we're quite there yet. But this period before January is a big opportunity for him and um, I, you know, I, I, I wrote about this in the column this week. This is how youth players get developed. This is how they get their chances. They don't, you know, very few of them get like a like a golden path laid on to yeah. them, like Rashford. Like you say, Rashford came in on the back of an injury crisis. Most young players come in that way. And mm-hmm. this is why, like Man City, can't get Phil Foden minutes because they're brilliant. They're absolutely brilliant. And they, they can't get him in there. Look at us during the Invincibles era. We, we were struggling to give young players minutes, you know, between 2002, 2004, other than in the League Cup. That whole generation didn't really come through. Ali Adier didn't come through. Um, Steve Sidwell didn't come through. James Harper didn't come through. All these guys who were tearing it up in the youth teams and winning us the FA Youth Cup, none of them came through because we were too good and because we were going for league titles and we, we couldn't do it. Um, you know, and and that's why Man City can't do it, and that's why part of the reason Chelsea haven't been doing it, albeit I think Chelsea have been really stupid spending loads of money on crap like Drinkwater and Barkley, given what they've got. 
um, in their youth teams. But, you know, Arsenal aren't at that level. The reason you will get an opportunity at the moment, you'll get an opportunity at Arsenal because we're, we're not the complete package, because we're not brilliant. We're good, but we're not brilliant. And that is where young players get chances. So I, I the way I see it, Enketia's got the next month or so um, and, and that's often all you get. All you'll get is a month. You'll only get like an injury crisis. Um, and Rashford only got that. Rashford only, there was only a couple of weeks where, you know, United were missing a couple of strikers and he stayed in. And that that's really the task that's awaiting in Ketia now. He's got a month, basically. And he'll get the Carabag game at home as well. So he'll get probably get another 90 minutes there unless he's injured. Um, he, he'll probably be on the bench for the Carabao Cup game against Spurs. Yeah. You know, he'll... He'll get some chances and, you know, that's just, that's just, this is the top level. That's just life. He's going to have, you know, he's probably going to, he's probably got like a bit less than three hours of football to say that that position's mine. I can fill in for Welbeck and uh, it's a tall order, but um, those are the standards. So yeah, I, don't, I don't disagree, but, but let, let me just ask you this. I mean, when we get around Christmas and there's game every three days, do you mm. think, assume Lacazette and Aubameyang are fit? And, and I mean, you know, obviously you're trying to win every game, but do you think that the manager will use one of each of them in those games or that Enkedia yeah. will get us? So you think he'll go that direction? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, I do. And um, so, yeah. So, so then let I me see. What Eddie, you, yeah, go ahead, Eddie, go ahead, Clive, please. Just quickly. Sorry to. I just Very quickly. We'll get bench <laughs> time. He'll get bench. Yeah. He'll get twenty minutes time off the bench to if we're winning a game one two nil. He'll come on to rest a Lacazette or rest an Aubameyang for the next game, right? So and those twenty minutes are really going to be important to him. And Tim makes a great point about what's ahead of him. And I find it amazing that a kid can be at the academy from the age of eight. And when it comes down to it, sometimes you might get three hours to prove yourself, and and that is what it is. It's almost like eight, nine years for that three hours of time. And that's how it is. And that's how we judge them. And that's how ruthless it is at the top, top level of football. Yeah. No, I, at, I agree. Um, yeah, please go ahead. Look, look what Inketia did last year, right? In the Carabao Cup. He yeah. came on with like six minutes to go against Norwich. like, And we were one nil down. It was absolute last throw of the dice. Um, probably don't really trust you, but you know what? You're a striker. Go on. He scores two goals. We win the game. In the next Carabao Cup round, he gets like 25 minutes off the bench. So he, he pushed that ceiling a little bit. And that's, yeah. that's what he's got to look at doing. And yeah, got a no. contract almost immediately, Tim, didn't he? Almost yeah, immediately yeah. got a contract. So, so his like, life changed in like six minutes. Like yeah, six, it's minutes. like you'll get, you know, at Bournemouth, he got like one minute. He might get five minutes. Do well in that, you get 15. Score a goal, you'll get 25 next time. You know, that that's the ceiling he's got to push. I feel like I'm in the middle of the Rondo circle right now. Um, <laughs> so, <laughs> no one nutmeg me, please. This is like an intellectual nutmeg going on here. Um, I I wanted to, Tim, just get your thoughts really quickly on Aaron Ramsey. I mean, he, he plays in this game, which obviously sort of tells you where he is in the pecking order right now. Um, I had a little go at this on Twitter. You know, look... This is tough. Aaron Ramsey has not been playing well this season. I think there's a lot of factors in that. His contract situation certainly is probably playing a role. Um, the ways that Emery has tried to deploy him probably playing a role. Lack of regular first-team football certainly not helping. I maintain that he is a very talented player. I don't think that is a particularly controversial point to make, but there are people that disagree. But let's just take that as true for a moment, that he is a very talented player. I don't know that we are so talented 
as to just be able to freeze this guy out until his situation is resolved, either in January or in the summer. I think that between now and January, and you know, potentially May, we have to make use of that talent because it's it is influential enough as to need, you know need to be taken advantage of. I mean, it's it's a huge asset that we are potentially just freezing out of the first team. Now, you can disagree with that premise when I stop talking, if you'd like to disagree with it. But even just assuming that premise for a moment, let's beg the question. Um, I think that he could play on the right in the 4-2-3-1 and potentially be an upgrade on Mkhitaryan in current form. I think if we're going to stick with the back three, we know he can be one of the two in the back three. We won the FA Cup that way, whether it's with Shaka or with Torreira. Um, You know, I don't think he works as that 10, as that sort of, pressing trigger that Emery tried earlier in the season. But look, Emery started the season with this guy starting <clears throat> against Manchester City. So clearly there was a desire to use him and things have changed, I understand. But based, you know, this performance was kind of a nothing performance. I, I mean, he did link up really nicely for that first goal. Um, is this a player that we have to find a way to integrate and get something out of because he's too talented to freeze out? Or are you fine with his Arsenal career just petering out between now and whenever he leaves? So I, I think we are getting use um, out of him because he's... I, I, t- I totally take your point and totally agree on on the talent aspect but the fact is he doesn't really fit into what Emery wants and neither does Meza Ozil um but that's a slightly different problem problem because he's on a massive contract um Ramsey like if Ramsey was in the team functioning really really well playing really well he'd be in the team like we haven't frozen him out because of the contract it's not like um it it's not like a punishment for him it's a hard cold look at things where it's well he doesn't really fit and you know what it's now not worth our while trying to make him fit um anymore and i'd I'd argue we are getting use out of him because because he's playing in these games it's not the use commensurate with his talent but it's useful nonetheless it's very it was very useful to us to have a player of his quality and experience in this game he he makes the first goal in the first 10 minutes which makes the game very nice and comfortable um, for everybody. You know, wins the penalty, makes it 2-0. If, if we'd have had a kid starting instead of him, probably neither of those things happen. And we're talking about 0-0 after half an hour. And that makes it a very different type of game and a very different type of test. Um, you know, he'll play against Spurs in the Carabao Cup, for example, where we'll want to strike that balance between rotation but keeping a little bit of quality. Um, in there and and i i think um and i i said this i think slightly before he was kind of dropped that that is how we should use him we should use him as a bit of a super sub um which is a role i think he can play very very well as well particularly with his energy levels and um you know coming on when games are less structured most of his goals come late in games anyway because of his um his energy levels and when games become unstructured he really comes to the fore so i think as a as a weapon from the bench he's great we can rotate him in over christmas um like i say that that is not actually commensurate with his talent but it is commensurate with his current standing in the team where he doesn't really fit. Um, and we it's not worth our while trying to shoehorn him in. As you you think the right the, the right, right of the four two three one uh, sorry, you were about to address it. I was just gonna say you think that's shoehorning? A, a little bit, yeah. I I I wouldn't be against giving it a try um at this stage because I think Mkhitaryan's slightly up and down there. I do have my doubts that he'll play it 
the way that Emery really wants for the same yeah. reason that Ozil doesn't really work. Like Because Ramsey likes to run into the centre and off the ball, whereas what Emery wants in those two positions, he wants two players in the half spaces who carry the ball. And for better or worse, that's exactly what Mkhitaryan and Awobi do. The, the quality, the, you know, their quality is not as high as Ramsey or Ozil, but they do exactly what Emery wants from that position. I don't think Ramsey would do that. Ramsey's much more, he's going to be looking to go into the centre, which has some value, but I still don't think it quite fits. But I'm, I'm not against giving it a try. Um, but I, I still think, I, I think ideally what we've really got to do is get a bit of an upgrade on Mkhitaryan. But at the moment, Mkhitaryan and Awobi should start for me um, because because they fit what we're trying to do. Yeah, I totally agree with that. Actually, um, do you? Know, you? I, I, I do. <laughs> hey, I do. Our work no. is here is done, Tim. We can just hang up, man. <laughs> well, the, here's what I would say. I, I totally agree, except that I think I don't think trying Ramsey on the right of the four-two-three-one is crazy. I don't think it's shoehorning. I think that. Mm. He is a good off-the-ball player with a great goal-scoring potential who's a very high XG player, player who does get chances and create chances at a relatively high rate from midfield. Whether he would do it from that position is less clear. He has played that position for us in the past, um, and he wasn't particularly effective there. My only reason for doing it would be a paucity of options, right? Just the fact that I don't think Mkhitaryan has been tearing up trees in that position. Um, a lot of that's more execution, right? Just that he hasn't been getting that final ball right. I don't want to move a Wobi to the right because I think he is a much better player on the left. So I think Ramsey's worth a shot there. It doesn't mean that I think he's a solution for it so much as I think we have him. He's talented. He's an option. And we might be able to do better than what we're getting from Mkhitaryan. So Clyde, before we before we stop this part of the conversation, let's uh, get your final thought on that because I can tell you are not going to let that one go. Absolutely not. So, yeah, so I agree with everything Tim said. But, you know, if you want um, Ramsey to play right, then I'm afraid your, your man, Aubameyang, is not going to be at centre-forward. I'd say it's going to be Lacazette at centre-forward. And Lacazette may drop in as a false nine. And then Ramsey has a role then to run in behind him in a central position. And with Aubameyang and potentially Lacazette, but not quite as critical, high-touch, ball-carrying, half-space midfielders. Nothing else is going to work, right? So Ozil is closer to be able to do that, but he needs to work harder off the ball. And that could be the dilemma that we have with him at the moment. That's why he's got a snood on and not a kit, right? So when he's, until he sorts that out with his work rate, then he can be one of those half-space players. If he demands to play number 10, and this system may has a 10 on occasion and a 4-2-3-1, but where we are right now, it wouldn't surprise me to see a similar shape to what we had at the weekend versus Bournemouth. And and I like that team. I liked it a lot. Right. So um and I think we could potentially could have that team out against Spurs. So and the players of Bamyang and be fit that and the Ramsey I'm afraid. I agree with how he's being used. But I don't know if you're noticing what I'm noticing is he's not looking as dynamic. He's not getting minutes on the pitch. His fitness is not going up. And he's just not looking as impactful on the pitch that could be because he's looking after his legs he's in the last few months of his contract and he's just seen what happened to Danny to Danny Welbeck he is not going to overextend himself and I don't blame him right I think he should be looking after himself he's got his whole career ahead of him he needs to get a contract signed either in January or the summer to go and further his career so we're going to get this sort of half a player 
And it's, it's difficult for people to be comfortable with that because we see the name, we see what he's done for us in the past, particularly in some big moments, and then we close our eyes and think, let's put him in this position because it's going to work. But when you look at this player right now, although he has effective moments in the game yesterday, when Ram, when I like Ramsey, and I don't dislike him all the time, when I like him, it's all down to his dynamic movement and fitness. When he's in peak Ramsey form, you can't take your eyes off him. When he's below it, he looks slower, he looks turgid, every touch is off. And I don't think the way he's being used at the moment, that it suits us, I don't think it's suiting him. And I think we've seen half the player yeah. that we used to have. And I'll amplify that by saying, as has been said on this podcast many times, and now I'm just parroting it to make it sound like it's my idea, despite the fact that I never <laughs> thought of it. Um, he is a player who has been best for us once he's on a run of 10 straight games, 11, 12 games yeah. that he's played in a row. If he's going to be dropped into the team occasionally, he, of all players, is probably not suited to that role, which is unfortunate. So uh, it is what it is. Let's do this. If you are listening on Patreon, you're about to hear weird edit. If you are listening live or to the regular podcast that we are recording, uh, you are about to hear about lingerie. So either way, it's a win. Weird edit or lingerie. You'd be the judge. Because right now I want to tell you about our friends at the Enclosed. EnclosedLingerie.com. That's right. EnclosedLingerie.com. They are like a flower of the month or a beer of the month club, but they're better because they're a lingerie of the month club. And if you are in a relationship and you and your partner want to maintain intimacy and closeness, and I know that is true of everybody in a relationship, you have to work at it. And instead of walking through the mall, walking through a shopping center and buying some, you know, not particularly high quality lingerie for your partner and having to look sheepishly at it while other people are wandering around, this comes right to your home. Uh, There is a size fit match guarantee, so it's always going to fit perfectly. It's really high-end stuff. Uh, And if you enter Arsenal at checkout, and who could forget to enter Arsenal at checkout? You're going to get $35 off any enclosed gift. So do it. Go to enclosedlingerie.com, sign up, get a gift, get $35 off by entering Arsenal at checkout, and have yourself a very Merry Christmas, Happy Holidays uh, with you and your partner. See? That wasn't so bad. And now we're back. So, Tim, mm. uh, I don't want to spoil the the news. I, I, I don't want to be a downer, but... I'm not convinced the group stage of the Europa League is the highest quality. Um, I just think this deserves a quick mention. We're too big for this competition, right? I mean, watching this game was really an embarrassment for the standard of competition. And, and I understand that it's an awkward situation. They're not playing in their home stadium, and they really don't have a lot to play for, and they don't have an expectation of winning. But there's a bunch of teenagers out there. They could have put up more of a fight. They didn't. I mean, is, is this sort of the nadir of European competition as far as you're concerned? <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, well, you know my view. I think the whole thing needs ripping up um, and throwing in the bin, quite frankly. The group stages are dreadful, um, even in the Champions to, to be fair, there's a couple of decent groups in the Champions League this year. PSG, Napoli, Liverpool, that's that's quite interesting. Um, and Spurs into Barca, I suppose that's got some interest as well. But largely, it, the format doesn't lend itself to... Um, <clears throat> to anything entertaining because even if you get like an interesting group like the ones I just mentioned in the Champions League parceling all of that out over six games in three months just completely takes the sting out of it and in the Europa League I mean yeah it's worse T- to be honest I- I'm not really 
don't have a massive handle on what's going on in the other groups, so can't speak to whether they're a bit more exciting. And yes, I think you're right. I think that the way the Premier League is at the moment is that there are six Champions League teams effectively, and there's only space for four of them. So you're going to get this. And you can see it in Chelsea's group as well, because Chelsea are having uh, similar games to us. Um, but it's 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 really, really low quality. This was almost a checker trade trophy um, team out there, really, who who were beaten by Forest Green and Sutton United gave us a better game than this. So there we go. Yeah, it, it was bad. It was it was not good. And, you know, that's not to take away from what the youngsters achieved and the performance they put in. I just think it is pretty clear at this point that we are a little too big for the competition. So it is what it is. Um, you know, it's incumbent upon us to get back in the Champions League as a result. Tim is going to go answer the front door. Um, someone has the temerity to show up in the middle of recording a very important podcast. But Clive, that gives me a chance to give you some some time on the mic, which you will not be shy about, I'm sure. Absolutely Let's not. turn our attention to the next Premier League match. And I'm just going to bring up our fixture list here to see what it is. Um, oh, it's it uh, Tottenham. Tottenham Hotspur, it says here. Yeah, North London Derby on Sunday. You've given it large on the Twitters and said that we are going to produce the performance and get the result. So defend your hubris. Okay, so um, <laughs> it's always good. It's always good to know your to know your enemy, right? So um, I do spend a lot of time looking at Spurs. I really, I, I really do. Not because I, I like them, but I think they get a lot of praise, um, primarily because they have a darling manager that, that the media love, and they have a number of the young English players, and they have the English captain in their team, and so they get a lot of praise. Um, and you have to. You know, you have to hold your hand up and say they're they are overachieving as a club. They're about to move into a different stratosphere in the stadium. We can debate how well that's being managed, but it is what it is, right? And they are challenging Chelsea and Arsenal significantly, right? So, on the football side of things, I look at the the two managers actually, and I think they're very very similar in how they how they set up and how they play and how they've how they started in the country you know very similar i remember pochettino at southampton struggling with english in a similar way that emory is right now and he and he started out with a 4-2-3-1 and he developed that system and he developed multiple shapes exactly what emory is doing but the primarily primary thing they both did and what emory's doing is they made their teams more competitive and pochettino and spurs you could just put the word fight around them they're a fighting team they are fighting for adversity, you know, off, off the ground and playing away from the two years. And they are still getting results, sometimes ugly, sometimes not so ugly. So how are we going to beat them? Right. So you heard me say before that Spurs are very much a back-to-front team and they switch on when the other team have the ball and their dogs in midfield and in the half space really work hard to box people in and press. Right. So, And I think that they do that very well. They keep the ball in areas where they are happy to be, right? So, and they don't like the ball in areas where they have to defend. And so they have Dyer there as an insurance policy, but they are weak on crosses and they are weak versus skillful players that can carry the team, carry the ball through midfield. And so also I've got to basically do have a similar plan to basically put Spurs into areas where they don't want to play. And it's going to be, it could be a game of tennis, right? So, but the one thing that we have that they haven't, 
I don't think they've reckoned for is that we have now got the ability to steal the ball higher up in the pitch. And I don't think Spurs are technically that good in centre midfield anymore, particularly without Dembele. They are passers rather than movers with the ball. And I think what they're not ready for is a combination of Shaka and Torreira. And I think that's going to catch them out. We're going to be able to play them in broken field play. And we are now showing them something new. Last year when we beat them, we scored two quick goals and we took the game away from them and held the result. And I think but we just played a little bit more high-octane Arsenal against, against a team that we had to beat. I think we can match Spurs physically for the first time. Uh, we're just as hard-working. We cover just as many kilometres. And I think we're going to press them in a part of the pitch. They're not very good at keeping the ball with Dyer, Winks, Sissoko. This is not Santi Cazorla we're talking about. These are not the most press-resistant players. And I think that's where the game is going to be won and lost. And when we get the ball in that midfield, we, we're much more direct in how we move through the spaces. And I think we're going to take them. And I think we're going to surprise them with our intensity and ferocity to win the ball higher up the pitch. That would be great. Uh, I'd sign up for that. I mean, I I think what's interesting, Tim, I don't want to um, steal the thunder from the, the preview you're going to put out for Patreon. Because obviously that is priority one, um, and we we love our Patreon subscribers. We love all our listeners equally, just some more equally than others. Uh, I'm kidding, of course. Um, We love everybody, all of you, literally all of you, love you. Except you, you know what you did. Um, Tim, I I think one of the questions that has to be asked is just about these next two fixtures, right? I mean, because it isn't just Mm -hmm. the North London Derby on Sunday, but it's, it's United at Old Trafford on Wednesday. And if we're going to finish top four, these are the two teams we have to finish above. So, you be the manager for a moment. I mean, you can't take even 1% of energy and intensity and focus off of the Derby. It's, it's too important. But what do you think Emery's approach might be to balancing the fact that he's got two such important fixtures, two, two fixtures of such importance consecutively and with, with such a short break between them? Do you think he might pick a lineup that has an eye towards that at all or not, or, or not remotely? Uh, no, I, I think we've probably already seen that with um, with the Vorskla game. I, I think um, these games might be codependent. I mean, how many times have we seen in the past where we've had two of these games in a row and one of them doesn't go our way and then in the next one we become, you know, a little bit inhibited, a little bit conservative and maybe draw mm-hmm. nil-nil. I, I think that there'll be an, an acknowledgement um, and there should be that um, let's take care of Sunday and think about Wednesday afterwards, um, which will be a very a very different type of game. But I mean, I think if we lose on Sunday, I wouldn't put any money on us um, beating United. Whereas if we win on Sunday, I think there's a greater chance. I think that's that's what this team is waiting for now, is that that kind of big result. Like they, you know, we got the draw with Liverpool, which which everyone was um, was really happy with. And I'm not saying I wasn't happy with it, but I I wasn't quite as surprised by it as other people were, and therefore I I kind of think that result is a little bit overrated. I think people overrated Liverpool, and I think maybe people slightly underestimated us um you, you know because i was reading stuff like oh liverpool are going to win this like three or four nil and he's just like you're not in your fucking right mind like <laughs> that, that like that 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 you know at the emirates that's incredibly rare that's incredibly rare um against teams like liverpool so um i always felt that that would be quite a tight game um and i wasn't hugely surprised by the draw 
So, uh, so then, and and obviously, like there's this big caveat hanging over our season that we lost against Chelsea and Man City. And I think what this, you know, this team's done some good things in the last couple of months, and it's slowly building. And what it needs now is the big result. Um, and if it could come out of these two games with four points, I, I'd be delighted um, with that. And I think that would set us up really nicely because, you know, I, I think, I don't know if the team feels like this, but I feel like people are talking about the prospect of Arsenal finishing fourth as as if it's like, you know, climbing the top of the magic beanstalk as it's some like totally unattainable level. And it, it's weird how quickly things adjust, isn't it? That we were in that top four for so long and took it for granted. And now all of a sudden with, um, you know, we were very, very, we missed out on the last day two seasons ago. Last season, I think, in fairly special circumstances, we, you know, we weren't ever in the picture. Um, and also, I think we kind of gave up on it because of the Europa League. But I really don't think that last season is the, the uh, like, the proper snapshot of where we are, of the talent that we have in the team. Um, and, and actually, I, I think maybe that's been a worth, worthwhile exercise, um, you know, Arsenal falling out of the top four and readjusting everyone's expectations. But at the same time, I, I do think people have maybe gone a bit too far and like looking at fourth as if it's, you know, ridiculous and the Holy Grail. And it just isn't. I think um, from Liverpool downwards, I think those teams are a little bit closer than perhaps people think. Um, and, and so, yeah, and, uh, but I don't know, I wonder what the team thinks and feels about that, but if they can get, you know, four points out of these two games, then I think they'd really feel, oh yeah, hang on, like fourth isn't, you know, it's not going to be easy, but it's not some ridiculous, unobtainable target. We're very much in this conversation. And I, I think these games, they're obviously important mathematically, but I think for the belief of the team, um, Sunday in particular is huge. Yeah, no, I, I agree with that. I mean, look, I think part of the reason that the fourth feels like this impossible mountain to summit is not so much that it's such an, an incredible achievement, because obviously it's not such an incredible achievement, but I think the reason it's it's starting to feel like a hugely challenging uh, uh, task is because of the rate at which top four teams are picking up points right now. I mean... Every single one of the top five teams in the Premier League has more points than the leader of La Liga right now. You know, um, you know, it looks like the top four are going to are, are on eighty point pace, all of them. And it's you know that that is really the problem is the margin for yeah. error is astonishingly small. I mean, on twenty eight points, Chelsea with their one loss are in fourth. Spurs have thirty. Liverpool thirty three. We have twenty seven. I mean, after thirteen games, you take any of those point totals in years past, right? Tim, yeah, sorry? yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, we in '98 we won the league with 78 points, and um, we finished fifth with 78 points two years ago. Like 78 points will will get you six probably this year. And and you're right that that's um, that's that is a big part of the reason six into four doesn't go. But mm -hmm. I also think there are quite a lot of people who are just thinking like, oh, this is like some you know nirvana that we can never hope. It will be decided, I think. Um, I think Man City will be out on their own. Liverpool will probably be in a little island on their own. I think between third and, you know, Chelsea, Spurs and Arsenal. And, you know, Man United could still uh, get their way back into it. They're going to have to change the way they're playing. But Not after we I beat mean, them 5-0 on Wednesday. But, yeah. if, well, this thing, if they win their next two games <clears throat> and we don't get the results we need, they're right on our tails. So I don't think you can rule them out. 
quite yet. But I, yeah, I think there's like a hair's breadth between those teams, really. And that's why you're right. It's going to be hard because of that. But at the same time, those teams aren't in terms of talent, in terms of, you know, their level. Those teams aren't over the hills and far away from us. Liverpool are a little bit ahead. Man City are miles ahead, as they are of everyone. That that other band of, of kind of three or four teams, I think, is pretty tight. Um, and so you're right, these games are very important because of that. But at the same time, like, we, we are very much in that conversation. Well, let me do this. I, I, I'll We'll finish with Clive, and I'm, I'm not going to ask you too much more about this game because you're going to be doing that video preview that I've referenced many times and, and which everybody is going to run to their computer and sign up for our, our Patreon to see it. But uh, score prediction? I do, I'm, I'm going to say a draw because I, I think this will be a really, really tight game that will be decided by small details. I've kind of got a feeling that one of the teams will win by a single goal, but I don't know which one it will be, so I'm going to say a draw. In your gut, give me the percentage of the post-game story, post-match story, that you think will focus on Mike Dean. <laughs> well, when he gives us a dodgy penalty, um, there'll be a lot of Twitter accounts that will have to shut shut down. And um, I'd be happy to, you know, to, to, to take that trade off. <laughs> I'd, I'd be very happy for those people to shut their Twitter accounts down, basically. And I had to ask you because... that just because I know one of your hobbies is talking about referees. I know, I know how much yeah, you love that. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah indeed. Yeah. Okay. Well. Well. So, Clive, let, let's wrap up the podcast on this. I, I think one of the hallmarks of the Emery era, the the young Emery era, has just been that he's had something special set up for us for big games. Whether it's a formation we weren't expecting, or an approach to the match that maybe we weren't expecting, or um, a player being drafted in that we might not have been suspecting expecting. So, this Sunday, is there any surprise inclusion or formation or tactic that you think he might deploy? or would hope you would deploy to deal with uh, Spurs' unique sort of pressing style? Uh, I, I think I think it's going to be the same team as last week, but it wouldn't bother me if he went to a more of a 3-4-1-2 and went for it early. I think with Spurs sometimes you've got to control the the story of the game a lot. And they are, we are... T- I did notice against Liverpool game, we really focus on the first half to make sure we're in the game by half time. And okay, we had to come back in the end, but I thought our first half performance was fantastic. I see a similar ferocity in our game on, on Sunday. So you may go all in with the with the two strikers and then look to consolidate late in the game with ball carriers. So that could be interesting. I just got this hunch for us who I don't think it's I don't think he's done for him. I think and if he does play him He's going to want to prove himself. And so if he does play him in this game, he's saying to everybody, this is your time. You now go play. So the Arsenal public will be watching. And if he doesn't play, that's going to be the narrative post this game. Or if he doesn't play well and play, sorry, that's going to be a narrative if his result goes wrong. So I think a lot of pressure could be coming Herzl's way if he does play. But it wouldn't bother me if he went 3-5-2, sorry, 3-4-2-1 like he did at Bournemouth. And just, I think Lacazette comes off the bench because he's been nursing an injury. And we go to the Bamiyang and we go into broken field play. And I see us winning by the odd goal. I, I really do. I, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm not worried. I think Manchester United is a bigger mentality issue for us Old Trafford away. But I will say this, that this coach has got something about him, how he approaches football. And I just feel he's obsessed with the next game. 
and I have yearned for that for many years. He's not worried about the design of the canteen or what the teacups are looking like. What the, he's just bothered about the football, the first team, the football, the feed into the first team and making sure that players are mentally ready and tactically ready to play big games. And in almost every game we played this season, I felt we'd look prepared to play. And even in the game in the week, we spoke about the Europa League teams last year and, and Wenger not quite having the, the right formation to get the best out of the players. He's got he's put out a team there. He's put Jenkinson at centre-half. None of us saw it. He looked quick back there and he protected us. He got the best out of his midfielders. He put people in the right spots and got the result. And we're seeing more of that from him. So I've got a lot of faith he's going to do the same on Sunday and we'll win the game. I would love that. I mean, look, the the funny thing with the conversation around Mesut Ozil is it always seems to focus on intensity, which is sort of this intangible that can't really be measured. But I can tell you one thing Mesut Ozil is good at, ball retention. He's hard to take off the yeah. ball. And Spurs press. And the one thing you know will lose you a match against Tottenham is giving the ball away. We give the ball away, we're going to get killed. That's where they excel. And so I'd want Mesut Ozil in there because you can give him the ball and it's hard to take him off it. And especially if you can get him in the ball and tra- get him the ball in transition – He's probably going to find the right distribution, and he's unlikely to get dispossessed, and that's really important. Yeah. To your point about broken field play, I think he can be a very, very effective player in in that kind of transition. Um, you know, whether he could play that role starting from the right, I'm not as sure of because the thing that scares me with Mkhitaryan is Mkhitaryan does a lot of running. He's good as uh, in his defensive intensity, or relatively good, especially up the pitch. But he is sloppy. He does give the ball away. I mean, Granite Shack is another one who you would say. You know, I, I like Shaka, and his, his deep distribution is as good as anybody in the league, but he's someone they're going to target, and he's going to have to get the ball out of his feet quickly. Um, you know, would he look at a Ganduzi who's maybe a little quicker on the ball and, and quicker with his distribution? Probably not. But, you know, I think those are the issues. Is I, I want ball security, um, you know, especially deeper in midfield. And I would play Obama then, up front. Then, yeah, I would too. They're no more secure than us, mate. Trust me. They're no more secure than us. No, I, 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 to- no, I totally agree with you, Clive. But that's why I'm saying it may just be a battle of who is cleaner on the ball. You know, the team with the most giveaways in this game is probably yeah. the team that's going to lose because I think my, both teams can hurt you in transition. My worry is how they will deploy Son and Ali and Ericsson. I think they're, they're three good players <clears throat> of good form and how they run into those spaces that Mustafi's going to give them, how they sprint into the box trying to provoke penalties, how they run past our defenders so Kane sits in the pocket just ready to bang, bang, shoot yeah. that Stuart style into the net. So I think that's going to be our challenge. But again, we've got somebody that protects that area around the edge of the D a lot better and we I think we've got the ability to transfer to transfer out the pitch. I think we've got better weapons for them this year than last year where I felt we won the game but it, it went for us you know a set piece goal and then a second goal sort of killed them right but I think we got better weapons more structured with more direction knowing what they're doing I think we're going to surprise them I really do and yeah I, uh, look I, really I, hope. I hope you're right and I mean obviously we know the the, the issues left back is going to be an issue for us until Monreal comes back close is just going to have to Beyond his game, if we start with a back four, I would go with Holding and Socrates and, and leave Mustafi out. You know, I, I know that's not what's going to happen, but you know, these are all the things that we can analyze after the game. And, and Tim, I'm not trying to freeze you out here. I'm trying to give your match preview, which would be <laughs> superior to this room to breathe. But before we say goodbye, I'll at least give you the option of ch- chiming in here. Would you prefer to save it for the, for the uh, match preview video? I'll save it for the preview, yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, I think that's wise because obviously everybody is going to be running to Patreon to sign up for that as they should. And by the way, we love you for doing so. And we love you for listening to this. And we love you if you listen to this live. Thank you for that. Um, you know, we're going to try to bring back the halftime shows and the live commentaries and all the things we've been doing this time of year. Uh, busy for me, which nobody cares about because I am the least interesting part of this process. But uh, I need to push buttons and make things like that happen. So I apologize for my unavailability. We'll try to uh, get fired from my job post haste. In any event, Tim's on Twitter at Stoberto. Thanks, Tim. My pleasure as always. We'll look forward to your match preview on Patreon shortly. Clive's on Twitter at ClivePAFC. Thanks, Clive. Thank you very much. We will have Scott back after the North London Derby. We will probably have uh, Paul back, I imagine, as well. I will, unfortunately, be back as well. My name's Elliot Smith. You can block me on Twitter at Yankee Gunner. Give us a five-star review. Write nasty things about Paul and Scott in the comments. And in the meantime, get ready. Big Derby at the weekend, whether you're watching in the ground or at home. Uh, I hope it is a great day for you. We appreciate you. We love you. And we will talk to you after Arsenal 10, Spurs nil. Yes.